Welcome back, MTN Nets podcast. The Nets beat the Knicks again, ninth straight time, improved to 30-19. and 19. It was a fun game. The Nets had a, you know, 18-point lead at one point, might have got to 20, and the Knicks brought it back to like a four-point game, and uh, Kyrie showed up in the fourth quarter, made some big shots, Seth Curry, big shot in the corner, Joe Harris played it very well, and Nick Claxton gave us a great game overall. And the Nets now go to 3-6 and six without Kevin Durant. So during this podcast, I'm going to talk about, of course, the Nets' next game. I want to talk about Ben Simmons. I mean, last time I talked to you guys, it was before Ben Simmons got the uh, the eye injury that turned into a knee injury, and he missed tonight's game as well. So there's a lot of bad vibes with Ben Simmons right now. We'll talk about it. And some trade stuff. I do want to make a separate trade video and actually make like a real video about that. But any trade rumors, I'll talk about them. Hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. It's always fun. The Nets versus Knicks rivalry. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the Nets have won nine in a row, so it hasn't been much of a rivalry. But it feels like every time these teams play together, these games do come down to the wire. And for some reason, I think probably because the Nets have the uh, superstars that they close out these games. I remember that game last year when KD had 53. That one came down to the wire when Kyrie was in attendance, actually, in his uh, in his jacket on the uh, sitting court side. But they got this close win tonight, and as I said, like they shot the ball like crazy. I want to see their percentage overall. So from three, the Nets shot 55%, made 22 three-pointers, and you got contributions from a lot of people in that area. Four of seven from three for Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris. Five of 12 from Kyrie. Some of those barely rimmed out. You have two of three from Seth, who made that huge corner three. Utah Watanabe, who has been quite off the past, I don't know, 10 games or so. He goes three for three. Patty Mills made his first, but missed his next four. One of five total. Edmund Sumner, two of two. And Cam Thomas, one of one. I know one of Sumner's was one of those going for a two-for-one situations. He shot a long one. He made it somehow. And the Cam Thomas three was a broken play. Cam was just there, and one second left on the shot clock. He put it up, and it went down. So we had some lucky shots in this game, I'm not going to lie. Of course, you can't survive trying to shoot 55% from three every game. But it is nice knowing that the Nets can do this, and they have been a very good shooting team throughout the year. And you even had guys like Nick Claxton who gave you the 12 rebounds, a career high in assists with six, three blocks, 13 points, six of six from the field. So his field goal percentage even goes up now. Uh, Claxton was unbelievable tonight. And Kyrie in the fourth quarter, he was amazing. I think he had 21 points in the fourth quarter. As I said, a couple of his three-pointers rimmed out. It could have been even more. But most consecutive 30-point games in Nets history, not just Brooklyn Nets, but New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets history, Kyrie Irving has broken Kevin Durant's record in 2021. KD had five straight games of 30 or more points. Kyrie's now at six straight games of 30 or more points. So, of course, when KD first went out, the next couple games where Kyrie played with no KD, he struggled, and he put too much on his shoulders. He admitted that. He was thinking too much. Did not play the game naturally. Then he switches that up, and Kyrie, since that moment, has been amazing. Ever since the fourth quarter of that, I think it was the Suns game, right? The Suns game, when they made that comeback. Ever since that moment, Kyrie has been different and has been the leader of this team. It has not turned into a great record overall. As I mentioned, they're, I think, 3-6 and six now without KD. 
a couple of those West Coast losses when he was first out. They definitely should have won those games. But for the most part, I would say Kyrie has been phenomenal the past five, six games, whatever it's been. And a big question was the Nets' depth coming into this game. Like, who was going to step up? We know we have Kyrie playing great. We know we have Claxton playing great. But who else on this Brooklyn Nets team was going to step up? Step up, And even Seth Curry, who was out last game versus Detroit when the Nets lost that very embarrassing game. I don't think I made a video after that one, but I was just not happy with that. Anyway, all the starters were in double figures. You had Royce give you 14, Joe gave you 16, and Joe Harris, uh, it's like back and forth every single time with him. Joe Harris made some really tough shots in this game. A lot of times you don't see Joe Harris take contested threes. He took a couple in this game and he made them. There was a great play. It was a handoff going to his right and going to your right as a right-handed shooter is a tough shot and Joe Harris made a three going to his right. So Joe was just uh, at a different level tonight. It was like the 2019 or 2020 or 2021 Joe Harris. He looked very good. So Joe was 6 of 9 overall, had the 16 points. Claxton had 13. Kyrie, 32. Seth, 14. Utah gave you the three threes, nine points off the bench. Even Dayron Sharp came in. He landed on his back, and I thought he was hurt, and he you know, kept playing, so he was fine, but took a tough fall there. No foul called on that play for some reason. That was kind of confusing, but three offensive rebounds for Dayron. That was all of his rebounds. Had the one assist, had six points, so Dayron... He's not your uh, answer for backup, uh, almost a backup quarterback, backup center right now, but he's doing enough in games like this where the matchup's pretty good. Like he can come in and give you, you know, five, six, seven minutes of decent basketball. Uh, Patty Mills started out the game nicely, made a couple of shots. His first couple shots went in, but finished the game three of seven overall. He was a plus seven, so I'll give him that. At least, you know, Patty Mills did something okay in this game, but. He's just not a guy you can play for an extended period of time. Edmund Sumner had his moments in the first half. He had some issues fouling. I feel like one of his fouls was stupid. He had three fouls in this game. So, yeah, you know, not not a good foul. By the way, fouls. I want to talk about this play. This was back in the Pistons game. I didn't talk to you guys. But the Royce O'Neal foul on the Jaden Ivey three-pointer was one of the worst basketball IQ plays I've ever seen. Like, the guy was taking a half-court shot, and Royce O'Neal fouled him. I, I, it's, it's one of the worst, one of the most frustrating things you'll see because the Nets did cut that game down to like four points at the end. And just imagine if, you know, if Royce O'Neal doesn't foul him there, the Nets maybe could have stole that game when they shouldn't have won that. But it's just like, oh, one of the worst fouls I've ever seen. Anyway, Cam Thomas, I mean, he was okay. Didn't play much in the second half, if at all. 13 minutes, two of five, five points. And it does annoy me that when Kyrie's off the floor, they don't play Cam Thomas every time. I think he should play every time because we saw even at the end of the third quarter when the Knicks started to make their comeback, there was no Cam Thomas on the floor and no Kyrie on the floor. And the Nets offense was, you know, it was, it was dog crap. It was bad. So... You know, I do want to see one of those guys play at least, but we don't see it for some reason. We'll see some of the team stats. The Nets only shot one or basically 2% better field goal-wise. The Knicks were 10 of 28 from three. Nets were 22 of 40, so that was the big difference in this game, 35% versus 55%. Nets were worse on the free throw line. Kyrie, I think, missed like three foul shots tonight, which you don't see often for a 90% free throw shooter, but the Knicks shot 78% at the line. Nets were 57%. Nets got out-rebounded by 10 Still an issue. It is still an issue. There was a point in this game where the Knicks were getting everything they wanted inside with Julius Randle and Hartenstein, and the Nets couldn't stop it because the Nets don't have size. I mean, anytime Claxton gets dragged out to the perimeter, the Nets are done. Like, they have nobody. It was like their second biggest player at times on the on the floor was Joe Harris, who's like maybe 6'5 or 6'6 at most. I think he's 6'5, right? So that was uh, not what you want to see, and the Nets have to add some size before the deadline. 
there are reports that they're looking to do that, but the deadline is approaching. I think it's in like a week and a half. So you got to make something happen here. I would love to have Nas Reed. I think he'd be a great fit. I think he's from this area too. So I don't see why you wouldn't make that move if he's available. 31 assists for Brooklyn. They've had a lot of 30 plus assist games since Jock Vaughn took over. Less with KD out, of course, but that was good to see. Here's the thing. Like, Here's another big discrepancy. So the Nets killed them in three-point shooting and that will win you a lot of games. But the Knicks outscored the Nets 68 to 34 in the paint. You can't have that. That is double their points in the paint. The Knicks had double the Nets point <laughs> points in the paint. That is, uh, that's rough. So the Nets had a 19 point lead at one point. That was their biggest lead. Knicks had a one point lead. And with a minute and 20 seconds left, the game was at 107-111. Nets had the lead. Kyrie made a big three pointer, put them up by seven. Then Kyrie came back down next possession, made another three, made it 117-109 with 50 seconds to go, and that pretty much ended the game, and it was awesome to see Kyrie making two huge threes, and I tweeted this. You can tell he loves these matchups. He loves the Nets-Knicks matchups. He grew up a Nets fan, of course. He knows about the rivalry, so you could tell Kyrie gets very hyped up for these type of matchups, and Coach K out of Duke, of course, he was the uh, he was in attendance for this game. I'm sure that definitely motivated Kyrie as well. Like every, All the stars aligned for Kyrie tonight, and he showed up big time in the fourth quarter, and the big Seth Curry shot, it was 108-105, to so three-point game, one-possession game. And the Nets had this long possession that took like 23 seconds, so one second left on the shot clock. Um, Kyrie was doubled in the left corner. He threw a cross-court pass, which is always dangerous, but threw it high, so that was good. He threw it high to Joe Harris, and Joe Harris in the air just whipped it to the corner to Seth Curry, who made a three-pointer in the corner. It feels like when, it feels like when the Nets need a big three-pointer, Seth Curry is there. You know, like he is just there in the corner. He'll make the shot. He'll stare at the opponent's bench and do his thing, and he'll, he'll walk back slowly. That's what Seth does, so uh, he can be a killer sometimes. I do love seeing that. So, yeah, it was a nice win. Uh, of course, the Nets record overall, as I said, 30-19. and 19. They need these wins, of course, when KD is out. Their schedule going forward is uh, not very easy, that's for sure. I mean, they're home versus the Lakers on Monday, then they're at Boston on Wednesday, versus Washington at home on Saturday, and then next Monday they're home versus L.A., home versus Phoenix, home versus Chicago, home versus Philly, and then their first road game in a while will be at the Knicks on February 13th. So, yeah, I mean, you have some tough ones coming up. You do. And the Suns are now more healthy. I think Booker and Paul will be back by then. Paul's back already, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. And the Clippers, they're a very hit-or-miss team, but they're crazy talented, as we know. Boston's very good. The Lakers, I think, have AD back by now, so they'll be good. They just got uh, Rui Hachimura, too, from the Wizards, so they'll be uh, even better. So, yeah, tough stretch here, and KD will not be re-evaluated until, I think, the second week of February. So, we're talking, like, I don't know. I expected, when he first got hurt, I expected him to make his return versus Washington on February 4th. That's not going to happen. I was very wrong about that. So, it seems like maybe, I have no idea. They might wait until after the All-Star break. The All-Star break is between the February 15th and February 24th. It's between that week. So, you might just wait and bring him back, uh, you know, until the All-Star break is over. And the first game out of the break, it's weird. It's 10 o'clock game at Chicago. Chicago's not even on the West Coast. I don't know. That's a very weird time. But yeah, Chicago, that might be like central time, but still, that's a weird start time. So Friday at Chicago is the first game out of the break. 
Maybe that's the first time we see KD. They could bring him back before the break, and you know maybe they bring him back for the uh, the the Nets Knicks game on February thirteenth. That would give us two games before the All Star break. The Nets have nine games remaining until the All Star break, so I'm looking at like a nine game stretch here, most likely without Kevin Durant. And what, you know, what can they do in those nine games against tough teams? That is the big question here. I mean, they're getting everything they possibly can out of Kyrie Irving, but it's going to be tough. You're playing tough teams. You have to win the winnable games. You have to beat Washington. You have to beat Chicago at home. Both games are at home. So you have to win those games, have to beat the Knicks on the road next time. Um, You got to get those type of wins. So hopefully they can do it and steal a couple against the, the better teams and, Maybe make it out of that stretch at four and five. I'll, I'll take that right now. I'll sign up for it. You'll be, I think, 10 games over 500 at the break, which is not terrible. But at least this time, as compared to last year, the Nets are not like completely free falling. They've won three of their past five overall. As I mentioned, that game against the Pistons was disgusting. They should have won that game at home. I know it was a back-to-back and guys were out of gas in the fourth quarter, but they, they were just not engaged in the entire game. I think Kyrie, Claxton, and Sumner were the only guys that showed up in that game. Everybody else did not want to be there, and Ben Simmons too, who we'll get to right now. So Ben Simmons, he left that game, and he was questionable for today. And I think it was Shams or uh, Woj, one of them tweeted out that Ben Simmons was out for this game, which is weird sometimes. Most of the times you'll see like the Nets beat writers tweeted out first, but I don't know why that happened that way. But Ben Simmons this year is averaging 7, 6, and 6 on 56% shooting. This knee issue has came up a few times already. And um, I think some, you know, maybe players, but I could tell that Jock Vaughn is getting a little frustrated. You can tell with his press conference, you know, Jock Vaughn after that game. He said Ben, you know, had some knee soreness again and rolled his eyes after. Now, I don't know if that's like, you know, by accident or if that was on purpose, but when your head coach lists out your injury and rolls his eyes, that's not a good thing. So I I just, unfortunately for the Nets, there's nothing they can do with Ben Simmons. It is what it is. Like, I don't see how you trade him right now. You could, but you're also, like, if the Nets traded Ben Simmons, it would have to be like the Brock Osweiler situation, and Brock Osweiler's an NFL quarterback, for those who don't know, but he signed a terrible contract, which Ben Simmons has right now, it looks like, and for the Texans to get rid of Osweiler, they had to trade assets to another team with Osweiler just to get rid of him. And I'm afraid the Nets would have to do the same thing if they got rid of Ben Simmons. Like, if, if you offered Ben Simmons and picks to a team just for a salary dump like you could do that but the nets are not in a position where they have a lot of assets due to the james harden trade and even trading a first round pick for royce o'neill they don't have the assets to make a move like that so if you're the nets you have to just ride it out with ben simmons you have about you know about four months left three months left until the playoffs start you have to hope he gets right by then you have to make sure he's healthy you know, not only physically, but mentally. I'm sure these teams have, uh, you know, team therapists and things like that. Just figure it out. They, they have to get Ben Simmons right. If they can get Ben Simmons back to where he was during the uh, win streak, where he was like, you know, a pretty good role player, it's, it's all right. I mean, it's not what you want, of course. We were hoping for a lot more when he came here, but... You know, he he can't be at the level he's been the last couple games he played. The the time he played at Philly was embarrassing. He did not even look like he wanted to shoot the ball no matter what. And even when he did, they weren't good shots. Then he came out in the third quarter in that game and was great. And he was being aggressive. He had like 12 points in the quarter. 
and then you know sat most of the fourth quarter because it's un- you can't play him and Claxton in the fourth quarter. It's just terrible for spacing reasons and free throws. So yeah, Ben Simmons has been very frustrating, but it just doesn't make sense. The guy's twenty six. Um, you know he's close to a year removed from the injury. I think so. I don't know. It's it just sucks. I hope he gets it back at some point, but it's just very frustrating what's going on with him right now. And uh, as for potential trades, as I mentioned, Nas Reed is the name that keeps getting brought up. Um, it was weird. We saw Miles Turner got extended today by the uh, by the Pacers. So good for Miles Turner. He got like thirty million dollars per year, which I was not expecting to see. But you know you have guys like Nas Reed. Boyan Bogdanovich, you have uh, Pirtle with the Spurs, you have maybe Vucevic with the Bulls, John Collins' name keeps coming up, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know where they're gonna go, and Sean Marks is overseas right now watching some 18-year-old kid play, I don't know why, like, you're near the trade deadline, your team is, you know, I don't know, they're going in a bad direction with Kevin Durant out, and you're overseas, like, it's, I don't know, Sean Marks just pisses me off, um, Unfortunately, I don't have much trust in him getting the right moves done. I do think they'll do something, but it'll probably be like the smallest trade possible. And just for him to say he did something, but I don't know. I'm not expecting much at all. But of course, if something does come up, you know, I'll come on here as a do a breaking news podcast and talk about it. But I'm hoping for Nas Reed. That would be the move, I think. Get Nas Reed, um, you know, maybe for Cam Thomas in a second. Hopefully, it's like Dayron in a second. That'd be beautiful. But. I don't know if that'll get it done, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of want this team to get more. I kind of want more than Nas Reed. That could be a bit greedy by me, but I would have loved to have had a guy like Kyle Kuzma. I've been saying that, but unfortunately, it seems like Kuzma is not getting traded, and Kyle Kuzma actually responded to our owner, Joe Sy on Twitter, and kind of uh, made fun of him in a way. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure that Joe Sy made a lacrosse reference when Kyrie did his in-and-out dribble against the uh, Pistons. And I'm pretty sure Joe Sy called it a cradle, which I think is a lacrosse term. I didn't play lax. I don't even know the terms. But Kyle Kuzma's like, bro, that's an in-and-out move or something like that. So uh, probably not the best look for the Nets to uh, trade for Kyle Kuzma. That trade, that dream is probably dead. So uh, not going to happen, I guess, which sucks. I did want him for sure, but... I, John Collins, I don't think is the best fit for this team, but I do feel like he raises the ceiling, if that makes sense. So, you know, if you have like a lineup of KD, Kyrie, Collins, Ben, it's not a lot of shooting, but like you have a lot of good athletes. And I could see a world where that works out, especially if John Collins actually starts making his threes, which he's been bad at this year as compared to years past. But I don't know. I could see the argument for not making that move either. So I don't know. I just hope they add somebody. Nas Reed is the guy. I could take Boyan Bogdanovich too. I don't know what that trade would look like. I think they want a first rounder for him. So, you know, the Nets, I guess they could trade a second and Cam Thomas for Nas Reed and then give up their first round pick. I think it's in like 2027. They're 2027 first and like, I don't know who would be a good salary dump, like Patty Mills for, uh, for Boyan Bogdanovich. That could be a move they want to make maybe. So um, I'd be okay with that. It's not like the dream, but I will, you know, it, it makes the team better. It gives you a chance to at least compete for a championship this year. So, you know, I guess I'll, uh, I'll be all right with that. But anyway, you know, we're so down bad on Twitter that I see some, some Ben Simmons for, um, for D'Angelo Russell, uh, trades out there, which, you know, I love D'Angelo, but I don't even know if I would do that or not. So that's going to do it. I will talk to you guys. Let's see when I will talk to you guys. Uh, Maybe Saturday after that Wizards game. That'll be after the Lakers, Boston, and, of course, Wizards game. So three games after that. Once again, if we beat Boston, 
I might come on because, you know, I would love to beat them. But given the circumstances and this team not being at full strength, it's going to be tough, obviously. We have not. It's kind of like the Knicks and the Nets in a way. The Nets have not beaten Boston in like the past nine times. And the Knicks, of course, have not beat the Nets in the past nine times. So it's like a triangle of losing and winning. It's weird. Anyway, so that's going to do it for this video. Hope you guys enjoyed and I'll talk to you guys next time.